It's no wonder that such a high premium is put on entertainment today. Whether it's movies, the internet, sports, media, or music, entertainment is highly valued, particularly among young people. For our kids, and even many adults today, this incredibly high premium put on entertainment could be considered unhealthy at the very least, while at the spiritual end of the spectrum, even idolatrous. It's been said that none of these entertainment venues, though, is as potentially dangerous and idolatrous as music. Think about it. Look at what's on your child's playlist. In fact, look at your own. How is the choice in music and entertainment affecting your child's behavior, emotional, physical, and spiritual health? That's a big question, and we're going to try to tackle it next on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a year-long Christ-centered therapeutic residential program working with teens in crisis. Our host on Licensed to Parent is Trace Embry, and I'm Rich Rosel. And uh, Trace, we have had quite a few discussions in the past about the power of music and music's role in cultivating or maybe even creating certain attitudes and behavioral issues in people. And of course, this being a parenting program, particularly in kids. Um, When considering the content of so much of today's music, why do you think so many parents, especially Christian parents, seem to be so cavalier about all this? Yeah, well, I think it could be any number of reasons. I mean, first of all, I think a lot of parents would admit that a lot of the music their kids listen to is terrible, maybe even dangerous. Uh, What I don't think they would admit, because they just don't understand, is just how terrible and dangerous it actually is. Uh, Because I deal with these kids, and I I hear what they're saying and how it's affecting them, and they feel like they have no control. You know, it feels... They feel like it's a drug addiction, uh, and some. I guess you're, you're saying that the teens themselves say they don't think they've got any control. A- absolutely, over it. it's, it's I got to have it. I mean, they, they they'll tell you this. Now, a lot of parents also don't feel they have the right to intervene for whatever reason. I think the political correctness is you know fuel a lot of that, or they're afraid to for for any number of reasons. Peer pressure for parents is just as real as peer pressure for kids. Sure. And, and by terrible and dangerous, Rich, I'm talking about uh, being a, a liability to their kids' hearts their minds, their, their, their psychological health, not to mention their spiritual health. And of course, if true, and I think it is, uh, all this has the potential to manifest in some very ungodly attitudes and behaviors. It can be a nightmare to any parent, particularly Christian parents. And, and not the least of these nightmares are the attitudes and behaviors that, that hail the virtues of illicit sex and drugs. But I also think there's an argument to be made that you know, there's a definite love affair with today's pop music and, I hate to say it, but the occult. And by today's pop music, I'm talking about the rock and roll of the 50s and 60s, all the way to the hip-hop music of the current day. And that's not to say that God or the devil can, can't work through any kind of music in, in any day and age. Because, uh, you know, even guys as far back as Socrates and, and Plato and Aristotle, they all understood and talked about the power of music to work both good and evil in folks. I'm also not saying that every song labeled rock and roll or rap or hip-hop is of the devil. No, no more than I'd say that every, everyone living in the south side of Chicago is a gang member. However, I will go so far as to say that like finding gang members on the south side of Chicago, the devil has certainly found a home in a whole lot of rock, rap, and hip-hop music. What I find interesting about Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle is that, to my knowledge anyway, none of these guys had any written objective standard by which to conclude what real good and real evil actually was. Now, 
it just seemed self-evident to them, mm -hmm. I think. But I could be stand corrected, so why don't we bring on a guy who could probably set me straight on all this? Well, we are glad to do that, and the guy you're talking about is Eric Holmberg. We've invited him back to the program to try to straighten you out and Somebody probably did. the rest of us, too. Uh, Eric is a uh, repeat offender here on Licensed to Parent. He's been on several times before over the past years. He's the founder and director of Real to Real Ministries and the Apologetics Group. Eric is an ordained minister, an author, a speaker, a video documentarian. His work, as we've mentioned in the past, has been featured on a lot of outlets, both Christian and secular, including the 700 Club, 48 Hours Investigates, Point of View, Truths That Transform, and many more. He's written for Focus on the Family magazine and Time magazine and the American Family Association Journal. And along with all this, speaking and ministering live, Eric has also written and produced over 30 videos, and uh, we've made use of those here at Shepherd's Hill, mm -hmm. uh, that, that cover everything from revival to rap music, from science to, to sex. And these award-winning videos have been distributed worldwide now, helping to bring a biblical worldview and transform the lives of millions of people. Well, Eric, welcome to Licensed to Parent. Hey, it's good to be with you. Thank you. Eric, you've always been well-respected and known for your, your documentary films on, on many of the hot-button topics affecting today's culture. And, and though your last expose on music, Hell's Bells 2, which we play here at Shepherd's Hill for our kids, it's now pushing close to 20 years old. The principles are still as relative today as the day it came out, at least I think so. Uh, what is it about music, contemporary music in particular, that led you to put so much time, money, research, and effort in, into this six-and-a-half-hour video series? Well, part of it was just my own experience. I grew up on rock and roll, um, a nominal Christian home growing up, went to church on Sundays, didn't really mean a lot to me, and then I hit puberty and uh, was out mowing the lawn, came inside to get a glass of water, and, and, uh, and uh, the AM radio announced uh, the... Uh, popularity of a new band from California by the name of The Doors, uh -huh. and I heard Jim Morrison sing Light My Fire, and I thought, man, there's something to that song. I was, at that point, I was kind of used to the Monkees and some mm -hmm. Beatles, and I went out and got the album, and on the second side, there was an 11-minute song, um, and I thought, what in the world is this back in the day when every song was two and a half, suddenly 11 yeah. minutes, and I was listening right. to the song, and I heard Jim Morrison moan and talk about killing his father and my mother and mm. and ride the snake to the lake. And I'm going, what in the world is this? And I instantly recognize it as kind of bad. I, I it, it bothered me. So I took it off and kind of looked around. Did anybody hear that? Did my mom hear that? <laughs> but, uh, you know, next thing I know, I'd listen to it again. I, I was intrigued by the guitar work in it. Uh, Robbie Krieger is an incredible guitarist and finger picker, one of the few in rock and roll at the time. And, uh, uh, went back and listened to it again. Next thing you know, it was my favorite song on the album. And then I went out and got more stuff like that. That Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced, Purple Haze. And, and it just became, a, you know, the center part of my life. And mm -hmm. I grew up to the music and, and, and uh, found myself becoming darker and darker in my lifestyle and morality and more and more anti-Christian. By the time I got to college, I was a full-blown hippie freak. Uh, and then at the age of 26, I had a Damascus Road experience. Jesus came and had mercy on me and met me and revealed himself to me. And I just got knocked off my proverbial horse. Hmm. And I went back to my place where it was a very small little room I was living in. And, and uh, I walked into the room and there was my five apple crates full of LPs with my Morantz quadraphonic amp on top, 100 watts per channel and four speakers in the 
corner of each room and not a whole lot else. Mm-hmm. A little bedroll on the floor, and I looked at it, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to Martin and said, that, that's, that's an altar. Mm-hmm. And I just recognized that uh, this is where I've been worshiping. This is where I've been getting my worldview. Mm-hmm. That Jim Morrison was my one of my most significant pastors in my life, as was Jimi Hendrix and Mick Jagger and others. And a lot of the crazy stuff I got involved in mm-hmm. was just was just uh, came out of that that whole life experience. So at that point, I got rid of everything, um, started listening exclusively to Christian music, and my life radically changed. And uh, I was involved in campus outreach um, work, and I decided to do a presentation on it from my own experience. And next thing I know, it took off, and lives were being changed. Mm-hmm. You know, let, let me give you let me change gears, and I came across something recently that I thought quite fascinating and very illustrative of the point we're trying to make. And this, this is from television. Um, Argentina is largely a Roman Catholic country. Mm-hmm. And as a result, has, tends to have a pretty high view of life, and the sanctity of life, and it's very anti-abortion. But one of the big phenomena of, of Argentina is talk shows. Um, there's quite a few of them. And uh, I'm reading from the transcript of a NPR story. Uh, Jasmine Guards did an interview she actually was raised in Argentina and lives in the States now, works for NPR. She talked about a, a specific talk show. She basically talk shows in Argentina. She describes them as Fellini meets Jerry Springer. Uh, the women are pumped with silicone, sometimes wearing almost nothing. When I was growing up, it was a parade of pasties, stilettos, and feather boas. One of the most popular shows back then was a guy named Jorge Real. He's still on TV. These days, he hosts a show called Intrusos or Intruders, in which he stirs up fights among his voluptuous guests. Every time someone says something shocking, ominous music rolls out. So you get the idea. It's kind of a Jerry, weird, bizarre yeah. Jerry Springer type show. Mm-hmm. Well, very, very popular. And, and uh, Jasmine talks about her grandma, Yaya is her name, uh, who just loves the show. And she would watch it all the time under the gaze of her little statue of the Virgin of Pompeii. She was a good Catholic, anti-divorce, anti-abortion, and she loved to watch this daytime morality play. Well, it goes on, the, the story goes on to say how basically they, would, they started talking about the issue of abortion. And they had women on the show that had abortions that were pro-abortion, that wanted to see the laws overturn and abortion legalized and stuff. And then gradually, over a period of a couple of years, since this started happening, that not only Grandma Yaya, but, but many, many women throughout the country began to entertain the idea that abortion was okay. Mm-hmm. That's what changes culture. And it's for anybody out there to say, well, I'm listening to this stuff or watching this stuff, and it's not going to impact me. Remember Grandma right. Yaya. Well, I, it does impact you. Absolutely. Is that frog in the boiling water uh, concept? But... Uh, Eric, I know there are a lot of references to music in Scripture. Uh, Saul brought in David to play a harp to get him in a mood for worship, and, and you know, I mean, there's there's that a- and to settle his heart. You're playing trumpets, man, to, and and beating drums to get people psyched out to go to battle, and they used the uh, horns to blow the the uh, the walls of Jericho down. And, and you, when you look at the uh, the uh, I think it was called Tacoma Narrows Bridge. Uh, it wasn't actually the wind that blew that thing down. It was the sustained frequency of the wind that that uh, messed with it. I mean, you get wine glasses that bust and uh, because of uh, a certain sustained frequency. So I think there's something in the uh, the other the sixth sense or beyond that that can, uh, there's an argument there that we can't empirically prove. But I don't think parents are realizing some of the devastating effects 
or the positive effects that music can have. Because we know that the positive effects of music can actually build your brain matter. I mean, physically build your brain. Kids that know how to play the piano or read music, it builds that frontal lobe. They're better in math. They have higher IEQ scores, uh, better problem-solving skills, on and on and on. Well, as, uh, as Christians and as people who believe the Bible is the Word of God, we understand that God did not only just create the universe, the cosmos, he also sustains it by the word of his power. Exactly. And, and as scientists have studied the nature of reality, they, they, there's, there's, a, there's a brilliance and an incredible unity to it all. They call it the music of the spheres. It's almost like the, the universe that is being sustained by the word of God is, is in fact a song. Mm. It's a vibration Wouldn't from the mind and, and, the, and the mouth of God, if we can anthropomorphize them in that sense. Mm-hmm. And as image bearers of God, um, we do. We, we, we create with our our realities with our words and our thoughts and we, we recruit, we don't create, we recreate, we take the existing world and we fashion it. And music is a powerful, powerful uh, tool in regard to that. No doubt. Um, and speaking of the slippery slope too, I'll throw out another example, this one specific to music You know, one of the biggest artists in the world right now, Beyonce. Now, when I first was uh, doing uh, the first rock and roll seminars and stuff, Beyonce was a part of a, of a, a trio called Destiny's Child, mm-hmm. and they were flirtatious, and they, you know, they were they dressed in a sexy fashion. But they were, you know, they were all Christians, they were all church-going girls, and they did a famous song, basically advocated marriage, and you know, you're not going to get it till you put a ring on it, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Well, you look you look at her trajectory over the last. 15, 20 years, and uh, it's just steady downward. Let me jump in real quickly here. One of the questions that we definitely want to want to ask and we hope answer in just a moment is what the line of demarcation is between worship music, God-honoring music, and mere entertainment. I'm sure there is one, but the, the line is very blurry these days. So we're going to ask our guest, Eric Holmberg, to uh, jump in on that topic when we continue in just a moment. You're listening to License to Parent. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. And while you're there, you can click on a link to Shepherd's Hill Academy, and that'll tell you a lot more about our parent organization, uh, a a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis and their families, Shepherd's Hill Academy. You'll find more about that on our website, licensedtoparent.org. More conversation with Eric Holmberg and our host, Trace Embry, when we return. Everywhere we go, we're surrounded by screens. Have we entered into a techno-utopia or a virtual prison? Prison. Prison. Is our social experience richer and deeper or more shallow and artificial? Discover insightful answers to these questions in the documentary DVD, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture. You'll learn from media experts, church leaders, and inspiring individuals and families from across the country, including Trace Embry and students from Shepherds Hill Academy. Most importantly, you'll discover how God's Word addresses the unique media challenges we face today. Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture. Available in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherds Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. 
Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed to parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. Welcome back. You are tuned to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy with our host, the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill, Mr. Trace Embry. And uh, I'm Rich Rosal. And our guest today is a man who for many years has been fighting the fight and presenting the evidence about the dangers, and I would dare say the positive influences too, of music in particular, but other forms of media and entertainment on affecting the uh, the character and the well-being of our kids, and us too, as a matter of fact. Eric, we're glad to have you with us, and we've been talking about the, the challenges of music and the influence it has, but as we've said, it has both a positive and the potential for a negative influence on our lives and on the way that we approach God. How do we determine whether song A, B, or C is a God-honoring song a, a positive song? I mean, I'm presuming songs could be good songs that don't necessarily mention Jesus 28 times in the in the first verse. Or at all. Or at all. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I know years ago there were um, a few songs. Stephen Curtis Chapman did a song about, you know, his love for his wife. And, you know, some people in Christianity were like, well, that's not a Christian song. And I thought... That's the yeah. perfect Christian song because our relationship with Christ is like a bride. I think it's that legalism that, that turns people off to this argument. It can be a problem. Anyway, I'm making the question too long, but but where do we draw this line of demarcation? Well, there's scripture talks about singing to one another in hymn songs and spiritual songs. It's there's there's a kind of a classification there of I, I like to use the analogy of vertical versus horizontal music. It's like the arms of the cross. We love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself. But, so the neighbor as ourself, that's a horizontal dimension. Mm-hmm. And in that regard, you know, you can sing about the light or you can, you can sing about what you see in the light. And so if something's true, if something's looking at the world honestly, and even looking at the negative aspects of life honestly, uh, the, despair and depression. So the dirt is. Wallow, but, but not wallowing in it and always right. providing a you know, an element of hope and things, then, then you know, I, from a horizontal perspective, uh, that's perfectly fine in my, mm-hmm. my opinion. And that's, that's, a, that's basically a judgment call everybody has to make for themselves. Clearly, if something is, and just imagine Jesus sitting there next to you, and, right. and, and you're listening to something, Does, is it mocking God? Is it extolling the, the fun of, of premarital sex or abortion? You know, whatever the issue might be. Right. Clearly, if it's contrary to who God is and what he want, how he wants us to live, we shouldn't listen to it. Now, when we get to the vertical music, that, that opens up a whole other can of worms because there's obviously some Christian music that that's supposedly Christian music that has bad theology, that um, 
can be very problematic. Um, a friend of mine, Les Lampier, who did a great video called Calvinist, is working on a new project called Spirit and Truth. Spirit and Truth that should be out in the next six months, a year or so. And I would keep, encourage people to keep a lookout for that because he's waiting in on this issue and really looking at uh, how music is used in the church and raising some very important questions about some of the things we're doing. But I, I would argue that, that uh, you know, there's there's a place for rhythmic music. When I'm going to go work out in the gym, I, you know, I, I'll put on the 77s or something like that, which is up-tempo, kind of rock-oriented stuff. But when it comes to worship, the music itself should convey the notion of pointing, lifting you up, not that God's up in, up, up in the air somewhere, but everybody knows what I mean by that, right. where you're, you're, you're just kind of getting behind the dust and grime of this world, and you feel a, an elevation as you're focusing on that which is eternal, um, that which is truly true. Mm-hmm. And the music, the music that style that they, uh, should convey that same type of transcendent, uh, trajectory. So, um, you know, is there a place for happy clappy songs? Yeah, I'm sure there is, but I'm not sure worship that's real worship. Right. And I think, you know, like a song, like be thou my vision. Uh, there's an old saying in the church, early church that he used sings praise twice that songs that really focus on God, his attributes, and that convey a sense of longing for him and a desire to get close to him, that, that's really vertical. That's mm-hmm. really the type of worship music I'd like to see the church embrace sure. more and more. I, I agree with that. But I, I want to ask you this. Is there a difference between praise music and worship music? In other words, can you be more upbeat well, there with is. praise? And- there, there is. There's no question. We enter his courts with praise, and uh, there's definitely a place for that in the church as well. I'm mm-hmm. certainly not saying every song should be Be Thou My Vision. Yeah. But but once we get to the place where, okay, we really want to worship, um, you know, songs, I'd rather sing about God and to God right. than just, than just uh, you know, talk about how awesome, you know, so. I, I want to ask before we run out of time, you know, in, in, in light of all the, the latest technology that's out there that, that, that music and entertainment can, can you know, uh, be brought into our homes through, do you have any advice on how parents can better monitor their kids' musical playlist? Boy, that, that is a $10,000 question, isn't it? And I'm afraid that there's really not a good answer to it because <laughs> unless you're just going to try to create a, you know, a concentration camp at home and nobody wants to do that. Your kids, you, you, you teach them discernment, you model it. You, the main thing is you model it in your own life. Sure. You're lifting your kids up in prayer. You check and make sure you're not a hypocrite yourself. You're condemning uh, this while you're while you're doing something that's similar in another genre, mm-hmm. um, you know you you fill that your house with beautiful music, godly music, and hopefully raise your kids on it, and they'll develop a taste for it. I mean, yeah. train up a child in the way they'll go when they're old, and not they'll not depart from it. Now, it doesn't mean they might not depart for a t- season, but yeah. Um, um, but yeah, you know the internet has changed everything. Trying to control what everything your kid watches and does just is not going to work just not going to work. And I found that parents who tried that, their kids, once they get out of the house, mm. you know, they, they tend to just rebel and go in the opposite direction. So, um, but, boy, I wish I had a simple answer for you, but, but I really don't other than, but certainly they cannot allow their kids and I don't, their kids can expect them to allow uh, them to, to listen to some of the things that they might want to listen to in, in the four walls of their home. Uh, and, and why is it not a good idea to start having conversations with our kids early and often 
about the power of entertainment in general, uh, but music in particular, why not start those conversations early and, and, and get boned up on it early ourselves as parents? Absolutely. Well, that's why Creed did Hell's Bells, too. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it's a tool that people can sit down and watch. So a kid hits 12 years old, 11, 10, whenever you feel like they're starting to get get introduced to the to the to the bad stuff you know say well let's you know let's teach discernment and clearly i agree with you totally as far as what's played out loud in the home you know the parents are the head of the home if they don't want to hear a certain particular song or genre of music whatever they just don't allow it but if they're 15 years old 16 18 they're in their room they're listening on their headphones you come in what are you listening to you know that that's going to blow up in your face it really is headphones might be just have to I was going to say, head, headphones might be something that you might want to make uh, uh, a no-no in your home. I mean, I know it's, that might sound a little uh, Hitler-esque to a well, lot of people, but I, I, I think it's a good idea. If, you're going to, if I can't hear it, either can you. Uh, it, it's the same idea as keeping your digital devices, whether it's a computer or a phone or whatever, in a public that's space. That's how I see it, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a matter of accountability. Eric, one thing that you said a moment ago that I, I wanted to... Uh, touch back on is the you know the fact that kids you know when they move out they're probably going to rebel but for a season i just want to remind parents that uh you know in in our generation the rebellious music may have been the beatles the rolling stones the doors and hendrix as eric mentioned in my parents' generation, the rebellious music was glenn miller and benny goodman <laughs> i mean you know every generation has its way of pushing back. And so, Trace, I think your mechanical answer is a really good starting place. You know, how is it making you feel? Is it is it giving you a good outlook on life, the universe, and everything? Is it lifting your spirit toward God? If any of those things are true, that's probably good music. Otherwise, it's it's on the bad side. Mm-hmm. Eric and Trace, we, we have to bring this to a close today, but uh, it has been a pleasure once again, Eric, to have you on Licensed to Parent. Uh, Eric Holmberg, the founder and director of Real to Real Ministries and the Apologetics Group, a writer and director of many life-changing videos that we would encourage you and your family to watch. And Eric, if people want to connect with you and see, hear, read, whatever, some of your work, what's the best way for them to find you? Well, they can go to theapologeticsgroup.com, theapologeticsgroup.com. I'm also happy to receive emails. Uh, my email address is a fairly simple one to remember. It's Eric, E-R-I-C, homeboy. Like, he's my homeboy. One word, Eric, homeboy at gmail.com. <laughs> and I'll be happy to correspond with uh, anybody that uh, wants to reach out to me. And I just want to say, uh, too, that the series Hell's Bells, which I mentioned earlier, we've been talking about uh, throughout the program, uh, is something that is a staple here at Shepherd's Hill Academy and is one of the things that the kids will tell you uh, open their eyes to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It is six and a half hours. It's deep. Uh, if you can grasp as, a, as an amateur apologist at home, uh, 5% of it, you've done well. Yeah. Uh, uh, let the Spirit of God do the rest. And if you can binge watch 28 programs in a row on Netflix, <laughs> you can <laughs> make you it go. through Hell's Bells, there too. Eric, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. And remember, you can find us online at LicensedToParent.org. Please remember that the work we do here on Licensed to Parent is merely an extension of the work done every day inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill, as I mentioned earlier, is a year-long, Christ-centered, therapeutic residential program for teens in crisis. It's our goal to export some of what we've learned every day here so that you can be a bit more intentional as a parent and, with God's help, avoid the need for a residential program for one of your kids. 
You can help the work continue through your gift to Licensed to Parent, and we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Again, you can give securely online, and you can find our contact information if you'd like to learn more when you visit LicensedToParent.org. And as always, thank you in advance. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fasina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you to tell a fellow parent about us and then join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time. <laughs>